You are listening to episode 213 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we would like to dedicate this episode to our Reformed Orthodox Rabbi, Bill Clinton, in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Normally, we uh, have, you know, a little more insight into exactly what we're going to talk about, but uh, we played a little bit of Space Hulk on V3DO, and I think it's technically not just Space Hulk, right? It's, it's uh, uh, Space Hulk, Vengeance of the Blood Angels, uh, a so, Warhammer 40,000 production. So that's what we played this week, and uh, we'll have a little bit more on that, but um, not a whole lot of exciting stuff there, so we'll dive into it. Okay, uh, so before we start, you can find us on thegameflators.com or out-of-date website. You can find us on social media, at Game Deflators, on Twitter, at the Game Deflators, on Instagram and Facebook. Find us on the podcast app you're listening to right now, as well as any other podcast apps. And, of course, leave us a five-star review, ten if possible. Cool. <laughs> so That's two five-star reviews. On multiple applications. So we'll talk recent pickups. Uh, so, D&D Minis. You're you're in over your head at this point, John. You're swimming I, in minis. I am. There's just so many. You minis. buy minis. You make minis. You search for minis online and Soon then add I'll, them to your repertoire. Soon I'll probably be selling minis. I mean, God, I'm gonna be my own vendor at this point. Yeah. So I ended up picking up for our Strixhaven campaign uh, some minis that were tied to that, and uh, definitely happy with the quality of those. It took forever to get them in. I ordered these back in like April. I remember you saying that you had ordered minis and that you were hoping they would be here in time for the campaign. And that was like a while ago. Yeah. And that was a long time after I had ordered. You had already it. ordered them at that point. Yeah. yeah. And they've been out of market for a while. So for whatever reason, game nerds who I normally order through, they, they have like the best prices on anything. So when it comes to like a campaign book, for example, uh, the campaign book uh, will be like 40 bucks for a special edition, whereas other vendors is like 50 plus shipping. So you're paying 60 bucks. These guys are like 40 out the door, no problem. And um, so that's what I usually go through. And then same thing for minis. Like the minis are just a better price overall. Like I paid, I think, $35 pre-order for those minis to come in and they're normally 50 you know, so like no brainer, like, let me just go ahead and buy these. But their shipment apparently or their inventory came in like super late compared to like normal retailers. And they're like, oh, yeah. So like hobby stores like haven't received them yet. I'm like, that doesn't make sense because like the hobby stores else is that, receiving them. Yeah. Like the hobby stores I've been to receive them. So like, are you, is it because you're an online retailer? Like they never tell me why. But, you know, end of the day, if they can get me my stuff before, like during the time frame that they promise, then I don't care, you know, like I planned it out to where I wasn't going to start Strixhaven until January, and that's where we're at, you know, it's going to start in January, I got the minis, I'm a little more than halfway through reading the campaign book the first time, I'll then take a couple weeks to actually draft up some content for you guys to pick things up, and obviously we'll probably start like second week of January most likely yeah. um, with it, and we'll kind of continue moving forward with it. Um, and then we'll have like an every other week campaign style, so I'll have plenty of prep time in between to create all the shenanigans for you guys. So much shenanigans. Uh, I also picked up DN or not DND. I picked up the Dark Souls minis as well. So uh, phase one or set one and set two uh, for the Dark Souls RPG. Dumb enough here. Okay, that book has been out for a little bit too, um, but it's a little more scarce. Like it's been sold out everywhere. So I'm happy I got my pre-order in. Like I think I'm seeing it for like 70, 80 bucks in most places, and I paid like thirty-five for it. Nice. Um, but I'm still waiting. It said, oh, it's shipping out Q4. And that was a long time ago. It's still not shipped out, but I imagine they're talking December, of course. Uh, and they said end of December, most likely. But the minis came in before the actual book came in. I'm like, that's kind of weird, but I guess nice. If I was prepping that campaign, I would just paint all my minis and yeah. be done uh, before I read the book so I can focus on the book. But, you know, overall, um, pretty happy. Got those minis in. And then I picked up some STL files, so for those that don't do any 3d stuff that's like the format i guess is stl um i don't know don't ask me what it stands for but it makes minis and so basically i i downloaded off of like um etsy somebody had like 
400 plus minis on there for like 20 something bucks and i'm pretty sure this person is like stolen minis from like other artists and compiled into one um to make like this big portfolio of minis because there's minis from like all of these different types of like vendors on there Mm -hmm. and i'm like how is this even legal like to you know um so i went ahead and and grabbed that and uh you know obviously i didn't know before buying it that was multiple artists but there's some cool stuff there's goblins there's mechs there's like warhammer type stuff there's obviously D &D and dragons and demons and devils and random like land animals and it's just cool like there's a lot of different things they have different types of like hero characters and villain type characters that you can print most of it is not pre-supported so i have to put in my own supports but there's a lot that is supported too so that's kind of cool and then off and some of the bigger ones have like like the really big minis have it split into different pieces and then there's others that they're just huge like you saw the dragons where yeah. it's like massive i'm like no way would i be able to print this on my printer um so those are situations where i'm just gonna have to use like probably cheeto box and slice and dice different pieces and then like save as different stl files to print stl files it's gonna be interesting but um yeah it's a lot a lot to go through but i'm already excited because i know for a fact i have some like little spider mech creatures in there um that i saw the other day and in my witch like campaign that i'm taking part in um i'm an artificer so one of the next things i get to do on my next level up is i can create a steel defender which is a little like mechanical guy so i'm going to 3d print today a little steel defender so when it comes time to play the actual campaign tonight i'll already have my pre-printed steel defender oh dude you know it'd be great if you could use like a little touch coma that'd actually be pretty funny they you should start like getting files for like non like mini minis to make i've been looking like make me a little cubone that'd be a cool one yeah i've already got some ideas for christmas for you so don't worry yeah we're little santa cubone little santa cubone we'll see i might have to fiber that one uh so that's what i've been picking up uh and then currently playing Sackboy's big adventure is the game that we've been playing we're on like world two and we're definitely enjoying that game quite a bit and that's really that i forget is that a side-scrolling platformer or is it a 3d platformer Okay. That one is 3D. So Little Big Planet in general. Um, that was all side scrolling. Is side scrolling, yeah. And then this one is all 3D world. Okay. <clears throat> nice. Well, for me, not uh, a whole lot going on this week. I did play some Pokemon, um, mostly just kind of doing some classes and around campus stuff. Uh, not very much. Uh, Vampire Survivors came out on mobile. Uh, they announced that at the Game Awards, and I was like, yes, please, right away. So I've been playing more of that. That's pretty much it for me this week. Really? Yeah, nice and sweet. Damn. <laughs> so uh, I figure for the discussion topic this week, we would tackle like the announcements part of the Game Awards. Uh, and then we can kind of go more over the winners and stuff after that. But like, you know, there was a lot of good stuff there. I know a lot of people are upset that Xbox wasn't there. Uh, so there was a big dead hole for nothing with Microsoft presenting. Well, um, yeah, but they had like 25 million commercials going through the entire program of Game Awards. Well, yeah, but there was no, like, Starfield. There was no Redfall. There was no Forza. Like, those are three big games that are supposed to launch, like, in the first half of next year. And we got nothing new on any of them. Yeah, I guess. So, you know, Jeff, we we announced last week he was going to try to make it shorter. I don't know if you watched the pre-show, but there was, like, a pre-show where they also did awards and announcements. So it was just like, here's a half hour we're going to call not a part of it. And then that guy's award speech paid up for a third of that pre-show that they were trying to butt out of their runtime. Yeah, like, that. I mean, we talked last week on presentations and all that, obviously. And this was just another example of how bad the Game Awards are with how they, like, why do a pre-show? Like, why call it a pre-show? And then they had the whole thing, like, the Game Awards is starting in 30 minutes, but you just gave away four awards. Yeah. <laughs> so how is it? And, like, oh, the room is filling up, and we're going to be starting real soon. Okay, so then what you're saying is that these other awards didn't mean anything because they're pre-show awards. They're yeah. not, like, top-of-their-class type of game like games. And it's just, it was stupid. And they had some, like, decent-sized announcements even in that. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So like you've got all these things that are happening on the pre-show. And like for me, I I didn't really watch a pre-show. I skipped through. So every Game Awards, I don't like sit back and watch it live. I just can't do that. Yeah. There's no way. So I always go back to YouTube. Same thing with like E3 and all that. I skip over a lot of the filler stuff that I don't care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, you know, Game Awards is like, all right, skip. Okay, I don't want to hear you talk. Okay, all right, go to the next trailer. Okay, cool. All right, who won the award? All right, let's move to the next trailer and so on. So yeah. like, you know, for me, Game Awards doesn't take As 30 long. minutes or 30, three hours. It takes like an hour yeah. at most. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with you, man. It was just... Pretty stupid, the way that was laid out. So, uh, in terms of announcements, what were you most excited about? Uh, I mean, I think my top is probably Armored Core. Uh, I've not really played any of the Armored Core. I remember I rented one from Blockbuster forever ago. It might have been like Armored Core 3. And I don't even think I could figure out like the tutorial like I, I did not make it into that game and I returned it and I never looked back at Armored Core again but like I love Big Megs and I love FromSoft games now so you know meeting those things together uh, I think this might hopefully be right up my alley like I thought I was going to get all into Damon X Machina a couple of years ago but that didn't happen I've been trying to find that game actually at like a good price cuz I do want to at least add it to the collection and uh, I can never find it. Yeah. You know, like, unless it's online, of course. But I'm not going to pay, like, 40 50 bucks. I'm waiting for, like, that $25 deal for it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I can wait. Yeah, I mean, I feel like games like that are probably going to get, like, harder to find used physical copies not online. Because, like, most people are probably just buying something like that digital. Because it's, like, they don't know that it's going to be anything and, like... I don't know. Most of the time, I can't be bothered to go to the store. Like, I actually went to the store and got Pokemon a few weeks ago, and I got, like, the little statue thing that came with it. I didn't even know that was going to be a thing, but, like, you know, anymore, if it's for Switch, I'm really just looking at getting it digital. And I imagine a lot of other people are like, this is something that, like, if I want to play, I can download it, but I don't want to have to carry it with me. Yeah, so Armor Core, I mean, we, we kind of called that, I guess, or we talked about it like several months back. Yeah, there's been rumors around that for quite some time. Yeah, what kind of caught me by surprise was the Dead Cells Return to Castlevania. Yeah, that looks like it'll be cool. I mean, it was just like a animated trailer for it, but I mean, I've not played a lot of Dead Cells. i played a little bit, but I love Castlevania. Well, I, I have Dead Cells, so if you ever want to play it, I have it on uh, PS4. Oh, uh, it's on uh, Game Pass. Oh, well, yum, 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 yum. <laughs> I think that uh, one thing I was surprised about was um, I think the Mario clip that they showed was really good. Like, I, I'm sold on Chris Pratt, I guess, if it just kind of sounds like that. But I haven't really heard as much reaction from anybody else on, like, what their take is. I know everybody's been, like really persnickety about like the little tiny bits that we've been exposed to before. And there wasn't a whole lot more in this, but just nobody's really said anything. So it was one of my friends on Facebook that I'd known for quite a while. He, uh, he was like, Oh man, like I wish I would have just opened up with this like Mario trailer a long time ago. And then I would have forgiven Chris Pratt. And I'm like, interesting i'm like so maybe it's a good voice and i listened to the audio i'm like no it still sounds like mario doing his best chris pratt impression like yeah. it's clearly you know guardians for uh save the mushroom kingdom is what it is <laughs> uh but visually it does look great you know i'll give it that like visually i think it's the world that we all would want in a mario game yeah when you he walked by that shop and you saw like the old like 8-bit items in there, I was like, oh, my God. And it was like an antique store. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a cool movie overall. Like, I don't think it's going to be a, a bad movie in that respect. And I think for what it is, it's going to be a fun film that kids are going to enjoy and families will enjoy. And there will be a lot of nostalgia aspects to it for adults. Um, but that Chris Pratt voice, man, that is going to absolutely ruin that movie for me. I, I just, I can't, dude, I can't sit there. In a theater. There's no way I'm going to go to a theater to see this. Oh, yeah. And I can't say anyways because I have a baby. Yeah. But um, there's no way I can sit in a theater and listen to Chris Pratt's voice over Mario. 
Yeah. It's just not a good... It'll be an adjustment. I, I hope that this is a movie that's good enough to rewatch. Like, I like... I haven't rewatched the second one, but, like, I've watched the first Sonic movie a couple times, and, like, it's a pretty good movie to go back and, like, watch again. And sometimes, like, yeah, if the voice isn't going to be there... It might make it so this is a movie that it's like I see the one time and then don't really go back and watch again. But I would love for this to be a movie that's like I get a lot out of the backgrounds and what's going on because like I rewatch it a bunch of times, which is, you know, how I imagine they market the ideas in a lot of the scenes that they set up is like, you know, how can we put stuff in here that people can come back and revisit and see and, you know. I, I hope it follows through. Anyways, more more announcements. Um, I thought that Judas looked pretty crazy and interesting. I think uh, Jeff Keighley mentioned during the show at one point that there were like no big leaks this year, which was pretty good. Like I, I don't really remember exactly last year, but it does sound familiar that like a week before you basically know what the big things that are going to be shown are going to be. Well, I mean, we kind of already knew too. We knew Armor Core was coming. You know, there were rumors on that, but we could suspect that that was what was happening. And then Kojima pretty much spoiled Death Stranding too. Like, I know yeah. we, we talked about his tweets last week and how before the show and how... Well, and he's so buddy-buddy with Jeff and everybody knew that he was in town for the Game Awards and was yeah. going to be showing something. And I still see a lot of people speculating like, oh, it says DS2. It doesn't say Death Stranding 2. He's fooling us. It's something else. And Dark it's... Souls 2. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, obviously not. Um, or Demon Souls 2. Actually, that'd be pretty badass if it was Demon Souls 2. But Death Stranding 2 is clearly, like, we called it last week. We are like, yeah. he's wearing a Death Stranding shirt. Yeah. He's clearly, like, in, you know, directing something at this point in time. It's got to be Death Stranding 2. And if it's not that, like, if you kind of think, look back at what we talked about, could it have been, like, a Silent Hill? No. Because we knew that wasn't happening, unless it was some special project. A special project isn't going to get as much hype as, like, Death Stranding 2. Yeah, yeah. You know? And... Or I think as many people like to call it, marrier, or mail carrier simulator, like, yeah, yeah. two or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But I think those were two, in my opinion, big leaks that happened that weren't really, like, leaks per se. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Final Fantasy 16. I, I feel like we've seen a lot of Final Fantasy 16 at this point. And, I mean, it looks really flashy and good, but it's, like... It's kind of starting to set into me that this is going to be another one of those Final Fantasy games that, like, I'm probably going to play at some point and not finish. Like, I just kind of have resolved myself to only knowing, like, a little bit about most Final Fantasy games. Like, I don't know, there's going to be a war and summons, and it's going to be, like, every Final Fantasy. Like, I'm just not connecting to this one in any way like i was really excited for final fantasy 15 like the music trailer that came out with the song and then pushing the car and it's kind of how the game opens and you know the camaraderie or like final fantasy 10 was just like so like colorful and it was like a really new experience for me like one of my first big rpgs i really fell in love with but like this one just looks so much like Final Fantasy that it just seems generic to me. There's nothing that stands out in my mind and it's like I can latch on to. Yeah, like a lot of people hate 15 because of all the, you know, it's basically a bachelor party gone wrong type of deal <laughs> situation. Um, but I honestly liked 15 a lot. Uh, there was a lot of side quests and things you could do, but, you know, I felt that those were all very optional. You didn't have to jump in on those. You could have progressed with the story. But if you progress the story, obviously you're more likely to, to die because you're not a high enough level. So the side quests were a lot of fun. Like I enjoyed those quite a bit. I don't know how they're going to do this one. It looks like they're sticking with the same combat system, which I really wish I would just go back to turn-based. Uh, you know, I get the action RPG aspect and, you know, and just kind of the world's having, just kind of moved on. Yeah, like I, I get why they're doing it, but at the same time, like... There's a lot of people itching to return to turn-based combat. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of like indie RPGs that are turn-based combat that people are really enjoying. And people are buying up all these like HD 2D remakes of older games. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. Live Alive, like that came out of nowhere. 
this yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, and you have all these titles that um, that people are just enjoying, like that are older format mm-hmm. of gaming. So why can't they go back to turn base? Like, I don't think it slows down your process at any point. In fact, it might be easier to develop. I would imagine. Yeah, I I don't know. It's um, it could be one of those things where maybe we'll get like a split, you know. Like, maybe the next Final Fantasy will go back, or maybe they'll have, like, uh, an offshoot line where they're doing, you know, instead of Final Fantasy uh, 17 in 2030, like, they're probably going to take the next few years to focus on Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 and get that really moving out the door. Yeah. So, in the meantime, maybe they'll publish something smaller that's going to be you know, turn-based, maybe something that will, like, target release on the Switch. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Um, Crime Boss Rocky City? The one with, like, all the, like, premier voice talent from Hollywood moving in? And a super awkward entrance and, like, the whole, you know, when they came out to announce it, and I forget who it was that was there? I don't know the actor's name, but you know, oh, it comes Al Pacino. Up. No, he was doing the award announcement. That's another weird one. Al Pacino coming out to do that, and he yeah. was—he clearly was like, he couldn't I read the teleprompter. Yeah, I can't read the teleprompter. I'm just gonna go off on a little bit of a rant yeah. here, and like everybody's super excited. It's Al Pacino, but clearly, why? He, why Al Pacino? It, it at was the Game Awards. Yeah, it was more so like to me, it felt like they paid him to be there to get some sort of like stardom that mm. was tied to it, but like. You could have done that with like Sylvester Stallone, you know, or like anybody else that yeah. had that is just like a bigger figure. Um, Al Pacino is obviously a big figure, but like, is that the right fit? And I didn't think it was. Now, if it was Al Pacino and he was maybe announcing this game, and he was like involved in the game, but like he's not, <laughs> as far as I know. No, so he's just like also a celebrity. And then of course, you know, it got all this like star power, and then they close out. Their big thing is Chuck Norris. I'm like, yeah, Chuck Norris. It just doesn't do it for a lot of people anymore. Yeah. it's This is like Chuck Norris's involvement in this game is about 10 years too late. Yeah, I don't know. It, it could make a, a comeback for the memes, but, you know. Yeah, I, I just, I wasn't feeling it. It it seemed to me like... Chuck Norris isn't in this game, by the way. This game is happening around Chuck Norris. Oh, I see what you're <laughs> saying. Yeah, I was like, wait a second. So, yeah, I mean... Crime Boss, Rocky City, pretty much to me was like if I ordered Grand Theft Auto off Wish.com. But That's it's what like, it felt like first person. I think it could be like in a good place because, you know, GTA 6, that's coming. We all know that that's coming. Like whether we hear about it next year, like it will probably be in 2024. It's going to be my guess. But, you know, Saints Row really shat the bed with their last release. So some other big crime world game but going into first person for the choice could be good i mean cyberpunk did well with its first person world um mafia i think that they're working on like a reboot of the original mafia or a remake of mafia 2 or something like that rather than making the next one i think but like i there's not a good spot right now for like a big open world crime game. So it could slot right in there. Maybe. And then the last thing I really wrote down that I was excited for is Space Marine 2. I mean, we just played Space Hulk this morning. And uh, you've got Space Marine 1 for PS3, which is actually a really good game, I think. Yeah, This I mean, will be uh, pretty sweet. Yeah, we'll, play, uh, we'll probably end up playing that one at some point in time for sure. Uh, okay, so as far as what I was interested in, I had a couple of them written down here on my phone. Uh, Earthblade caught my attention. Did you so, play Celeste? I did not. Okay. Is that from Celeste? Celeste, it's the team that did Celeste. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, I don't think it's tied to it. I know of Celeste, but I haven't played it. Uh, but Earthblade caught my attention. The new Star Wars game yeah. actually caught my attention. I need, I need to pull, ah, she's tongue-tied. I need to play the uh, Jedi Fallen Order still. Yeah, um, I started it, and it starts really well. Like, the first 20 minutes, like, the intro and everything is just very Star Wars as hell, and I was, like, in for it. But as soon as I landed on the first planet, and it was like, oh, now I gotta, like, do stuff. I just set the <laughs> game down and never played it again. So, I'm gonna play it on PS5. Uh, it's still, like, $40, so not messing with that just yet. It's, like, on $10. Game Pass. 
I hate you. So it's like $10 on PS4, but apparently it runs like ass on PS4. So it's going to gonna be PS5 for me. Uh, and then Lords of the Fallen caught my attention as well. Yeah, did you ever play Lords of the Fallen? Uh-uh. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't either. But it's it's great that they were able to make a sequel to Lords of the Fallen called Lords of the Fallen. I'm so confused right now. Like, literally, the original game is called Lords of the Fallen. And it's just Lords of the Fallen again. Now it's, ju- it's just Lords of the Fallen. It it's not I- Lords of the Fallen 2, remake, reboot. It's just Lords of the Fallen. I just saw that trailer. I'm like, I want to learn more about this game. So you've taught me a lot more about this game. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Googling might be hard. Make yeah. sure you figure out which one you're looking at. I'll, I'll make sure of that. It'll be like Lords of the Fallen PS1. No, that's not the right one. Uh, but those are the ones I'm most excited about. Uh, okay, so let's dive into the awards really quick. We don't have to go into like super gritty details yeah. on each one, but uh, so game awards. Uh, what we're kind of referring off of is uh, PC Gamer, and it's a uh, Logan Plant, so their list. And I guess Logan Plant is from IGN. Uh, so originally I had an IGN list on here, but I switched it because we were using IGN for something else. So this is by Tyler Culp. Ryan is always setting me up for failure on these things. Yeah, he is. Go on. You you can go through the list. All right. So game of the year, we got Elden Ring, which I don't think anybody was really like too upset about. I mean, God of War won a ton of other awards. So people were kind of like, some people were kind of like, you know, hey, how is it that God of War won like everything and then didn't win game of the year? But Elden Ring took a few as well. So they got game of the year. Um, we've got, uh, Game Direction, that was also Elden Ring, uh, this list is not loading, those are the only two I, know, I remember I off know the top of God my of head. God of War, they ended up winning, obviously, Best Performance with Christopher Judge, God yeah. of War won, um, Best, uh, uh, God, what is it called, Accessibility, they Accessibility. won that award, which is interesting, actually, that they won that okay, one. Okay, here we go, now my li- list is up. Uh, player's voice. So this was everybody voting. Uh, was Sonic should have won. Genshin Impact. Yeah, I was so waiting for Sonic to win just for the memes. Did you catch, though? He said after we took out all of the bots. Yeah, after votes, we took out all the bots, yeah. Which, which made me kind of think about it the other day of if you took out all of the bot votes, which you say you took out all of the bot votes, were they all bot votes? And how did you distinguish whether they were or weren't? Um, so that to me is a little too much, um, you know, oversight in a sense. And I, I do kind of question that one. Like Genshin Impact, you know, is a great game. Uh, but, you know, if the vast majority of people are saying Sonic and say, yeah, they but I don't all think they votes, were. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think who, the vast majority of people were. Who, who knows, man? Like, I think that Genshin Impact winning by player vote is probably the most real, though, because like, more people play that and probably vote than don't like i mean i definitely would have voted for elden ring but i'm not going to go out online and vote for this anyways yeah. somebody who's constantly playing genjin impact on their phone probably more likely to vote on this yeah and vote for that game i get you uh best narrative god of war uh best art direction elden ring music score god of war man did you see the flute guy no, I didn't, but I heard about Dude, it. Dude, don't sleep on the flute guy. Look up the flute guy from the Game Awards. He went harder than any flautist has ever flouted. I'll need to watch that. Yeah, I skipped over the music. I just didn't care to listen to it. Yeah, we'll look it up. There's like a good 30-second clip of him just like just going jamming out. He gives like the shaka to like the drummer after the show. He was just so excited to be there. And I, I'm not like throwing any shame at this guy at all. Like I love that he was so stoked to be there doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's and, what you want. Yeah. And I think like, you know, with some of the other awards, like Keegan, Michael key was there and he really bombed a joke talking about toad and his cap and in mushroom. And it's like, I get that they haven't really used him to promote this yet. But, like, Jack Black would have fired a crowd up way more, you know? And, like, the weird Al Pacino award. They could have chosen better presenters for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, best ongoing game, Final Fantasy XIV. That doesn't surprise me. I think that won, like, last year, too. I like, think it's won three years in a row. Yeah, it's just the community loves that game. And if you're a PC gamer and you have not played that, you know, I guess play it. 
Uh, best indie game, Stray. Stray was one of those ones a lot of people wanted to get a lot of stuff, and a lot of people didn't want it to get a lot of stuff. But it came away okay. I'm waiting for my copy. I am 8-bit. I hate them right now. Like, the game's been out forever, and they've just taken forever to get me my damn game. Yeah. Um, best mobile, Marvel Snap. Best community, Final Fantasy fourteen. Innovation and accessibility, that was God of War. Uh, best VR AR, Moss Book 2. You just beat Moss 1, so you should be really excited for that. Uh, best action, Bayonetta 3. Uh, best action adventure, God of War, role-playing. Let's, let's talk about that really crappy Bayonetta Origins game, by the way. Yeah, it's kind of one of those, like... Uh, I never played Okami, but I got the Okami game for the DS... And immediately I was like, oh, this is not what everybody's talking about. <laughs> so when I saw like Bayonetta Origins, I'm like, oh, that's going to be really cool. And then they started doing a gameplay. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. We've got uh, Best RPG, uh, Elden Ring. And people were saying not really. But I, I don't know. Like there's absolutely it's an RPG. Like I don't think anybody can really argue against that. But it is weird that everything else on this list is Nintendo games. <laughs> I I got such a good kick out of that because I just know so many Nintendo fanboys that are like, oh yeah, Nintendo's got to win this. And then Elden Ring. And then like I know Live Alive is, you know, a whole new version of an old game. But it's like, I feel like, this must have just been a really dry year for RPGs if that's like one of the front runners is this old game that almost everybody forgot even existed until they gave it this update. Mm -hmm. um, best fighting, uh, multiverses, uh, best family, Kirby, best sim strategy, Mario, Rabbit, Sparks of Hope. That one caught me by surprise. Like when, you know, I get that. It, yeah, it's a sim strategy type game. I totally get that. But there were so many other games on there that were far more deserving, in my opinion. Yeah, I haven't played any of the games on that list, so uh, I'm not really sure. I've played a Total War in the past. Yeah, isn't there a Warhammer game on there, too? Yeah, Total War, Warhammer 3. It's not 40K, it's like old Warhammer. Yeah. Uh, best Sports Racing Grand Turismo 7. Best Multiplayer Splatoon 3. That's pretty surprising, actually, but yeah. I guess it's really well-received. And then Best Content Creator of the Year, Ludwig, whoever that is. Uh, debut Indie was Stray, Best Adaptation, Arcane, League of Legends. I, you know, I really wanted Sonic to take that. It should have. I, I don't think that Uncharted stood any chance. And I really want to watch the Cuphead show. I guess it's on like its third season now, and I've not watched any of it. I really liked the idea of Cuphead, but it was too hard for me to really get through yeah i hear it's pretty difficult to get it to play yeah and then most anticipated uh legend of zelda tears of the kingdom best esports valorant uh esports athlete jacob yay whitaker best esports team loud for valorant coach matthias bizka bazooka bazooka tersconi for valorant uh, best esports event 2022 League of Legends World Championship. Now, like, they don't even have the Dota International on here. I noticed that when I was watching. Like, They're never Dota? listed on anything. No, I noticed. I'm like, where the hell's Dota on this? Yeah. But no, apparently not. Upsetting. So, so that's me reading off a list that you could have looked up yourself. Yeah, but why? <laughs> when we're talking about it and you're actively listening to it. So, um,. You know, I, I don't see any surprises with what was on there. I don't have myself. I see you have a note here, too. I don't have any complaints yeah, uh, with no who won overall. Um, other than, like, you know, the Genshin Impact Sonic thing. And, like, that was that's always kind of fishy anyways when you get into that type of award. Uh, and then, of course, the adaptation. I wish I would have seen, you know, Sonic win that one. Um, but it is what it is, you know. And then, of course, Spark of Hope or whatever, Mario. So, uh, next big thing that we have here 
uh, is going to be, if my mouse would scroll for me, uh, FTC sues to block Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of, or $69 billion acquisition of the Activision Blizzard. And this is Brian Fung of CNN. Uh, so what's interesting is that I had shared a few earlier in the week <laughs> yeah. an article in which it said that it was likely to pass and that it was a 2-2 tie within the FTC and that um, they would likely be passing it. And then to my surprise, I wake up this morning and I see you send me an article that they're looking to sue. And that kind of goes back to another discussion that we had a couple weeks ago where they were talking about there would be a lawsuit. So yep. it looks like the lawsuit has been filed which is very interesting given the word that we had seen earlier in the week on it potentially passing. Um, and I think this is going to set the tone for regulators across the world. I mean, we've had it pass in like Brazil and Saudi Arabia, I think, and one other nation. And no surprise there, obviously, there's probably some kickbacks that Microsoft is throwing their way um, to get that to happen. Um, but it's probably a little tougher to get that. Well, I don't know if it's a little tougher to get it to happen in the U.S. and in the U.K. as far as kickbacks are concerned. But, um, you know, I... I think that the FTC has a very valid argument. We've brought this up numerous times. Barry, when he was on with me, brought it up too. You know, this is very, I think this is very bad for gaming, uh, Microsoft acquiring Activision. I mean, when you when you look at the amount of properties that Activision Blizzard actually has, and, you know, and, and another recent thing coming out that Microsoft's looking to increase their pricing from $60 to $70 and follow suit the rest of, uh, you know, the uh, the gaming companies out there. It's obviously a clear push to get people to play on Game Pass. And how are you going to play certain games? And if it's a Microsoft exclusive and it's on Game Pass, and oh, you don't want to spend $70 on that game? Well, come over to Game Pass. Like, all it's doing is funneling everybody towards Game Pass. It's going yeah, to get to a point. The thing is, when you funnel people towards Game Pass, you remove the need for them to even buy a console. You do. Like, you save people hundreds of dollars. Not, but not really. Sony was the first person who pushed the $70 game. So, like, them saying that they're going to make competition worse and increase prices, like, that's already something Sony's been doing. No, I, I get it. And, you know, I totally get the $70 price point coming from Sony. But as far as making it cheaper for gamers, it absolutely does not make this cheaper for gamers. Because if I want to play Sony exclusive games that are Sony first-party developed titles... Oftentimes, that's what I'm playing is Sony first-party developed titles. And then I'll play, you know, the occasional game that's, you know, not exclusive. Um, but as far as Game Pass is concerned, if I want to play certain titles and I have to play it on Game Pass, I'm either stuck on PC, which means game card uh, or G GPU, which is going to be pricey, um, or I'm buying an Xbox or whatever device that they have to put it on my TV. So there's a number of things that I still have to buy, plus the Sony's actual membership for their first-party titles on, on PC. PC as well. So yeah. like, there's really no difference. No, I mean in that respect, like, but Returnal except has been you out. still have to pay for those. Yeah, if it's a first-party Xbox game and you you're paying for Game Pass, you don't have to pay for the game also. Yeah, I just think the amount of games that they are going to have at their disposal here pretty soon with this, like, what happens if they acquire Activision and in several years from now they acquire EA? You know, like, at that point, you're looking at smaller developers out there, and that's it. That's the bulk of it. And are they going to want to be acquired? Of course. I think consolidation is a terrible, terrible thing for us moving forward in gaming, and Microsoft is unfortunately leading that charge. Yeah, you know, I was really taking a think on this this morning when I was coming over here, and I think that I just kind of like, I don't know, man, I want it in my Game Pass. I, I want the game, so I'm not throwing up a stink about this. But overall, I think that's the right sentiment is, uh, you know, whatever the corporations want, don't let them have it. No. Basically, that's always going to lead to worse things. Uh, you know, even if it'll make my Game Pass better now. Yeah, like, and I brought it up last week. I don't, I doubt it's even possible, but a split of those, um, you know, of it, not even a split of the titles, just more of shareholding, right? Like, if you had Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, just say all three of them had an equal share of Activision Blizzard, and they all had some sort of say or input in, in what's happening within the organization as like board members um, of Activision Blizzard. I don't know, maybe that's a better approach than having, you know, just one company with all of those games at their disposal. And you know what was interesting is Crash coming out on stage uh, to announce, like, that new Crash game that clearly was shown as being developed on PS5. Um, I think that was almost like a slap in the face of Sony. 
if you think about it, like Crash used to go out with a megaphone and sit out in front of like, yeah. you know, Nintendo, I think it was, and like yelling and all that other stuff to like promote Crash Bandicoot on PS1. And here you have Crash coming on stage on the Game Awards during this whole big thing of Activision Blizzard uh, being acquired. And that property would be going to Microsoft, the Crash property. Like, I mean, that being an yeah, original Sony Vicarious Visions is owned by, yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, that that is kind of funny. I yeah. hadn't thought of that. I do like that mascot, but man, he didn't have anything funny to say. No, he really didn't. He wasn't very good. Yeah, the uh, the whole acquisition. I'm just curious about like what happens afterwards. So like, if this doesn't go through, and they just are like, "Sorry, you're too big to be purchased by anybody. You've got to just stay independent and do your own thing forever." Or does Microsoft come back and say, "Okay, well, we can't buy, you know, Activision Blizzard King." Can we just buy all the WoW properties? Like, can we just buy just, you know, these IPs from you? Uh, can we just buy King? Like, all we want is the mobile branch. Like, we don't give a shit about World of Warcraft or any of that stuff. Just give us Candy Crush. Like, can they just piecemeal this out and then make smaller acquisitions to get the direction that they want to go? They could probably sell, like, properties. But apparently, like, if this doesn't pass, it goes through a renegotiation period. I don't know what exactly that means. I would imagine it's a renegotiation of overall terms of the of the purchase and whether that is, you know, okay, you can buy it, but all of your games need to be multi-platform. You know, maybe that's the renegotiation. Because right now, obviously, they're looking to buy it, acquire all of those properties, and then, okay, we'll start doing, like, 10-year agreements here and there with for Call of Duty only. But that's not all that they have, right? And I think that... That's what everybody's focusing on. I think on. that's all that they have that's relevant that most people care about. Like, because like, even though they do have a giant stable of other IP, like you've got Overwatch, and you've got you've got World of Warcraft. You've yeah, got but that's Diablo. not on console. You I'm, have I'm Diablo, ta- which is thinking on about things that are going to be on PlayStation. So Diablo, Diablo. Four yeah. and Overwatch. And Crash Bandicoot would be another one. Spyro is another one. You have a lot of titles that people aren't considering that, yes, they're smaller titles and smaller properties, but they're still significant enough that they will drive some sort of revenue down the road. And it wouldn't make sense. Like, would it make sense for Microsoft to put Crash Bandicoot multi-platform? Probably not. Like, why? You know, like you have enough of a fan base that if the new Crash Bandicoot is exclusive to Xbox, Uh, you know, like... I think you need that to be multi to get enough sales like i don't think you're gonna generate just enough sales with only xbox fans true because i think that a lot of that past player bases playstation people like you were saying before like they might not like i'm not gonna jump ship for crash but if crash is coming out on playstation i'll buy it yeah no i I totally get that and you know i think microsoft's over time, if this does go through, and I think it will. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's not going to go through. I hope it doesn't because I think it's bad for gaming. But I think ultimately it will at some point. Um, you know, I can see Microsoft kind of looking at this when it's all said and done and going, man, we, if we really want to turn profit with these games, we have to just start putting multi-platform games out there. We cannot continue to just keep these like consolidated in-house. But then you have things like uh, Hellblade which is going to be like, it's exclusive to Xbox right now. Does it get released on PlayStation 5 down the road? Maybe, who knows? Or maybe it just stays on PC and Xbox. And unfortunately, that kind of sucks, you know? Games like that that were originally, you know, multi-platform and now, oh, no, it's only going to be on Xbox now. And I can see them doing a lot of that too moving forward. Like, let's put a game on multi-platform this go-around and it's going to be super hyped up and a lot of fun. And then, oh, you want to play the sequel? Yes, exactly. So... Time will tell on this one, but what's interesting, and we'll kind of close it out into the next story, is that if this goes to court, apparently the FTC has to, of course, gather evidence and other things, and it says that that could take years. Like, this could be years-long court battle um, to get this acquisition to occur. So when you consider that, if the FTC is filing this lawsuit, say it's like a two-year lawsuit. Yeah, it's two years in which Activision continues to work as it currently is working. And at any point, I wonder if Activision can kind of just be like, no, we're out. 
like we're done. We're not going to mess with this anymore. Oh, I mean, they're not going to stop not doing going their to. only business. No, no. I mean, like, stop the acquisition. Like, no, okay, that's our... Like, I don't know if there's any out clauses, but maybe there's an out clause. Mm. Like, hey, if this goes to court and whatever amount of time, it takes away far too much from what we need to accomplish, we're not going to go through with the acquisition. Yeah. Who knows? Um, all speculation. But I do think it's interesting that this could take years to go down. Um, it's going to take at least until July of 2023 for the UK to confirm on their end, if they're going to move forward with it. Uh, and if they don't, then what happens there, right? Like then that's additional court battles that need to happen for an acquisition. Yeah. So, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff Xbox could be doing and Microsoft could be doing to clean up and do some in-house stuff rather than just looking at acquiring more too. Like Halo is still not where it needs to be for like the, you know, this is our brand's game. Like, they need to clean that up, make that better. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they could do. Like, you were talking about, like, Spyro and Crash and stuff that they could get. What about the Banjo-Kazooie license that they've had forever and not used, like, since Nuts and Bolts? Like, make a new Banjo-Kazooie platformer to put out on Game Pass. People would play that. Even things like Blue Dragon that they've had for years that was an exclusive as well. And obviously, it's on DS, but... You know, something Lost like Blue... Odyssey? Yeah, Lost Odyssey would be another one. Like, there's so many properties that they have existing first-party properties. Maybe they, they just need more studios. Maybe that's another thing, too, is, like, you know, Blizzard's pretty big. Activision's pretty big. Like, they've bought a lot of studios and folded them in to just make them work on the Call of Duty machine. So it's like they might just have, like, a lot of talent there, and talent's hard to come by in the industry these days. So, like, you know, if they can't get those ips over and that talent over into their bucket maybe they start looking at just like okay who are we allowed to buy because they're small enough just so we can get some new blood to make some of these other games what's the sony's been doing sony's been buying smaller uh you know organizations here and there to be able to bolster what it's doing for development and obviously get like smaller ips and such uh, along those lines too um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, at the end of the day with this one. It's, we're going to be talking about this for quite a while until it, you know, goes through and unfortunately, yeah. So I'm sure we'll get new developments here and there. So next thing is uh, Gabe Newell of steam isn't interested in agreements like Xbox's uh, Nintendo call of duty deal. And this is IGN George Yang, uh, is the one that wrote this one. So, uh, you know, Gabe Newell just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like he just doesn't. I mean, when you look at this guy, I mean, he is, in my opinion, who's the guy that made that movie on, like, the healthcare system in the U.S. years ago? Like, a bigger guy? I forget his name. Um, God, I, I don't know. People will know who I'm talking about if they, if they recognize oh, it. Oh, um, Michael... Michael Moore? Michael Moore, yeah. Like, this guy is, like, the Michael Moore of the video game industry, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, he just does not care what you think. And, you know, I think in his mind, it's like, hey, Steam is so big at this point, and we already have, like, such a good pre-existing relationship with Microsoft. Like, we don't need to have deals like this in place because we've already got, like, this gentleman's agreement, in a way, on how things work in the world for, uh, you know, internet-hosted gaming websites, essentially, and, like, how purchases are made. Um, so I, I totally can see where he's coming from, um, and that he doesn't need those agreements in place. But it is interesting that Microsoft is kind of going out to like Nintendo and saying, oh, Sony hasn't, you know, looked on doing a deal with us for 10 years and, you know, all of this other stuff. Like Microsoft is really trying hard to make this whole acquisition seem like it's the most legitimate best yeah. thing for gaming that they're going out of their way to like publicize things like Call of Duty on Nintendo, which has not been on Nintendo since what? Like the Wii U, technically? <clears throat> Something like that. Yeah, like... And Nintendo's always, like, the Switch specifically is not exactly a, a system that Call of Duty players are flocking to. Like, if I'm if I'm playing Call of Duty, I'm not going to the Switch. Yeah. Like, I'm going to PlayStation or I'm going to Xbox or PC. Like, Switch is the last thing on my mind. So I think it's actually hilarious that Nintendo's like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great deal. We'll, we'll have Call of Duty on our console. Nobody's going to buy it. Like, yeah. stop, Nintendo. <laughs> and, you know, like... Gavin's in a situation where, you know, anybody who's putting something on PC, unless you're using your own launcher, it's going to Steam. Steam yeah. is where the majority of people want to play. Uh, even though Microsoft has their own launcher and their own storefront, you know, built into Microsoft, you know, you could still go 
get games through Steam, I'm pretty sure, and this would be the same. Now, my bigger wonder is like, is this more of a flex that, you know, hey, we don't need this deal for this. Meanwhile, Epic is over there trying to, you know, get the Epic Store still to rival Steam and they're spending billions of dollars to, you know, give away free games and like just losing money and not getting anything really back out of it. So like, does Microsoft even talk to them? Like, does that even come into play? Like, did they even be like, oh, this is going to be available just anywhere? Or is it, hey, we want to make sure that people know that this will be available on Steam, not on Epic. Yeah. Because, it, you know, is some subtext there. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I can see that biting Steam in the ass, too, like you're saying, where, hey, we're Epic's like, hey, we'll, we'll make a deal. We'll buy exclusive rights to yeah, launch. Yeah, we'll pay you to let us have it on here. Yeah. And I, I can see something like that happening. And, and again, that goes back to the... Especially if it's going to be years, two more years for them to develop, they could be more of a rival to Steam by then. But that goes back to the conversation on, you know, Microsoft having all of these games and all these properties and being able to dictate where it goes. Mm-hmm. And is that good for gamers? Is it not? Like now people have to go to Epic if they want to play Call of Duty and have that launcher in addition to Steam. And yeah. like now you're you're talking, you know, oh well it's more options. But not necessarily for the best to yeah. have all those new options. Like if all of my games are in Steam but I want to play Call of Duty and I have to go to Epic to play it on PC or I have to go to the Microsoft launcher to get it. That's just a pain in the ass. Like having multiple programs running on your PC, having to start up at the same time, shuffle through that. Nobody wants to deal with that. P- gamers want consolidation in, in what's happening in in terms of like launchers, but they don't People necessarily want, want. Yeah, people but, miss the old Netflix where it was everything. Now you need twenty services to get what Netflix used to have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, so you want consolidation in that respect, but you don't necessarily want one company to control all yeah. the consolidation. And so. If Epic and Steam are able to like kind of coexist in the world and have their own launchers and they all have their own games or anything else, like I totally get it. Um, and I think a lot of it is tied to, if I recall an older conversation, like Epic Games pays out a certain portion of money for sales and then Steam also pays out a certain portion of money for sales to the developer. So like yeah. there are games on both of those. But if you start going into the realm of, well, Call of Duty's only on here, nobody wants that. Yeah. So. You want choices, but you don't want, like, that type of choice to be present. So, if that all makes sense. Okay, uh, last thing that we're covering here is our inflation deflation. We have Space Hulk, Vengeance of the Blood Angels. And this is developed by Key Games, published by Electronic Arts, so EA. We don't have a director on here as normal. Um, It was released in January of 1996. It is a real-time tactical first-person shooter. Think Doom, but, like, tactical-based as well. And then reception was anywhere from a six to an eight. This was initially created for the 3DO, actually, and it was technically a sequel to the board game, not necessarily a sequel to a video game. And uh, it was initially put on the 3DO and then ported over to like PlayStation, Sega Saturn, and then uh, Windows. And the overall idea is that you have like these um, gene stealers, essentially. You want me to explain? Go, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so go ahead. If you, I mean, if you got it right in front of you, go ahead. In the 40K universe, which is where this takes place, like derelict spacecrafts wandering through space for generations uh, are, can be discovered. Those are called space hulks. And gene stealers are uh, these aliens. They're tyranids. They, like, infect you and, like, over time slowly become, like, the new hybrid race uh, to infest a planet rather than like attacking through force and like subterfuge. So you play as a squad of Terminators, big armored space Marines, even more armored than regular space Marines to clear out these space hulks and find what's in. And there's like mission based, uh, like old missions, new missions for this game, classic missions, classic missions. There's like uh, a whole selection of different, things but basically the gameplay is such that you are in like a first person you know action shooter kind of game like back in the day like doom but kind of more like grid 
movement kind of like uh god i I never played any of those like old sword and sorcery games that were like that um but there was a whole bunch of them back in the day yeah the idea is you can move your character and have different commands to say i want this commando to go over here or or terminator i want you to go do this you to do that and you control each respective uh you know person your squad yeah so you could like play in the first person mode or pull up the map and give commands to direct around. And, when you have to. Like, yeah. you don't have much of a choice. Given that it's a strategic or tactical first-person shooter, it's very much a tactical first-person shooter in that, okay, cool, like, you have X, you know, soldier, X Terminator. Okay, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And then, okay, now I'm going to switch over to that person because I have... Uh, a gene stealer coming this way, but I need to kill. And then, oh crap, here's another one coming down this other hallway. I need to go to my other guy and switch out. So, like, there's a lot of like, this would benefit truly from being on PC. And obviously, it was on PC um, or having a keyboard access via mm-hmm. 3DO, which I don't know if there is a 3DO keyboard, but I would mm-hmm. hope. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely is tactical and first person shooter, and it's very much that. And you die in one hit, which is kind of lame because you'd think the Terminators would be. A little uh, stronger than that, yeah. but it was quite frustrating. Uh, we tried like some trainings, we tried some old missions, we tried some classic missions, we tried some new missions, and it, they were all pretty much like, what? We kind of banged our head against the wall for like 25 minutes until we kind of figured out the map part. But even then, it was like, all right, we could close the doors, now what? Yeah, like, so I guess getting into it overall, I mean... I felt that the tactical aspects of it were pretty cool overall. Like, I love the concept of this game. And I love the, the first-person elements, and it did feel very much it like looked Dune. Good. It looked fantastic. The, yeah, exactly. Environments, like the the audio. Like, other than be, them being like, did you hear that? Like, every 30 seconds, and there's nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you kind of think, like, okay, cool. Like, maybe it's part of a game. Like, did you hear that? And you're like, no, there's nothing there. And then something comes out. Yeah. But you have like the radar that's constantly beeping. So we're like, did you hear that? And there's nothing, nothing. on radar? Then clearly, no, I, I didn't hear that because nothing's coming. Um, but yeah, so how it controls, I mean, you've only got three buttons on the 3DO. Uh, plus you've got the, the pause and then the start. And it's literally a square for pause. Um, so... In general, you know, I, I did enjoy the tactical aspects once we figured it out, like to command your unit and everything. Um, I didn't like how difficult it was when you're dealing with like literally a one-hit kill from the enemy. And there was a little bit of lag at times where, you know, multiple enemies were coming on screen and you were just trying to figure out what was going on. And the panning of left and right with the uh, the actual like mech you're in is not super fluid. Obviously, it's from 1996. It's not as easy. I'm sure if they did like a remake of this, uh, in today's gaming, it would be a lot more fluid in terms of how you're panning, uh, you know, the screen. So there was that. Um, you know, I felt that, you know, like you said, the music, the visuals, everything was pretty much on par and, and great for that. I mean, more than great for that era. But the difficulty spike is really what kind of gets me. And there's no sort of, like, even the trainings are difficult to get through. Yeah. and I could imagine, like, being on one of those longer missions where you need to, like, do a lot of stuff and being, like, 20 minutes in and then just getting hit once, and it's like, well, fuck me. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, or your squad dies, right? Like, you mm-hmm. have one... Like, you're getting hit with a swarm, and you've got to try and control five people, and one squad member dies, and then it's game over. Like, that's just not... In my mind, it's just not a lot of fun. Um, I can see why the game got a 6 to an 8 on average. And, you know, in reading some of the reviews, like, after we played, I share a lot of the same sentiment. You know, like, it's a cool game, visually stunning um, for its era. And, I mean, it's still good today to play this game. I mean, it looked very good on, yeah. on TV we played on. And is it a game I would want to go back to? Not in the slightest, yeah. because it's just so hard to get through. I don't have a lot of tie into you know, the 40K world. Obviously, you know a little bit more than I do um, with that whole world. But it's just it's not it compelling enough for me no, either. It, it, it isn't. It, it really isn't. And the story, like, I, I get it. Like, I love the concept. Like, Gene Steelers coming in and like becoming this crazy dominant race, and you're playing Terminators and you're setting out to destroy things. There's a reason that 40K has continued in gaming throughout the years because it's a very compelling story in general. But this wasn't compelling enough to get me to keep going. I wonder if, like, having played the board game and then having this game come out would have been, like, a good adaptation 
kind of like how, you know, people really like Baldur's Gate. Like, it's a pretty good adaptation of, like, what it's like to play D&D, but, you know, in a computer simulated. Like, obviously, you can't do everything like you can do in D&D, but it's, like, a big realized world with, like, access to the spells, and you're using, like, actual AD&D mechanics. Like, I wonder how much basis this has off of, like, the board game versus it's just a video game with a skin on it no idea i don't think that i would you know be because there was any... no like die rolls or like anything board gamey other than it was just like square movement maybe simple objectives like sealing corridors and having like position units that can give like overwatch fire or something yeah, I think you got to consider, like, the types of board games you're talking about, right? Like, am I a big fan of, like, Warhammer? I like the concept of minis and, and what you do nowadays uh, with Warhammer. And, yeah, I can see where somebody who is very much into it would be excited about this game. But it's a little different in, like, a D&D game, right? Mm -hmm. Like, D&D is so story-focused. And while this does have some story, I think it's more so the tactical elements that yeah. make Warhammer more so than the story elements. And so when you try to translate that into a video game... Yeah, you're, you're going to get your hardcore audience like, oh, man, I love the tactical elements of Warhammer, and I'm going to love doing tactics on you know PC or on console. Whereas with D&D, um, for me, it's it's story-driven, right? Yeah. And so, and really, like, building up your character, and, like, there is some strategic elements, but it's more so the story that's developed. And so I think you have a better transition, um, you know, or not transition, um, better, would it be association technically, or adaptation? You have a better adaptation with you know, D&D &D board game and D&D &D elements into a video game because it's so broad. It's not like this is this, like Warhammer is this is the story. This is what's happening. Here's what you're doing in a board game. Here's how you focus. Whereas D&D, &D, there's so many vast different worlds that are tied to it that it almost seems like an adaptation could come kind of come from anywhere. Well, I was thinking more so just like along like the board game mechanical type adaptation rather yeah, than the story. I, yeah, there's way more going on in... A D and D imagination, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see brass tacks. If you want to read that off. All right. Complete inbox. We're looking at uh, sixty-five seventy-five. That peaked at eighty-three fifty-seven back in July of twenty-two. That's trending down. And a loose copy will run you thirty-three fifty-one. That peaked at forty-two sixty-three back in July of twenty-two. That is also trending down. Uh, did you have the prices for uh, PlayStation and Sega Saturn or no? No. All right, well, I will pull this up right now because we had not been doing that for a while, and it would be interesting to see, you know, what the difference is between those particular games. So let's look at Space Hulk and Space Hulk. Uh, da, 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 Sega Saturn. It, oh, wow, really? That's cheap. So uh, 3DO is actually more expensive. If you look at a loose copy of Space Hulk, same game on PlayStation, you're looking at $860 for a loose copy or $19 complete in box. And this one is shocking to me. Space Hulk is $12.88 loose on Sega Saturn and $40.07 complete. Um, and that, that really is shocking to me, dude, because normally Sega Saturn is like stupid prices. But I guess 3DO is a little more unique. Um, and it is the original. And, and honestly, it might just be... I think it's the better console played on if, I'm, if I read everything correctly on uh, prior reviews. Uh, this would be the console played on. It just was a stronger console from what I understand. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe down the road we'll look at playing it on PS1 and see how bad it is. But the one thing I did see on PS1 is that it's just, it doesn't look as good visually on PS1. Yeah, and, you know, it's weird because I always consider the PlayStation 1 to be like a stronger performing console. But there was kind of that generation where it was like no they were actually like pretty strong like little pcs competitively and then playstation was just kind of a cheaper good alternative and the cds on it were you know more mainstream yeah. i guess at that point like the 3do was like not something that everybody had and like sega saturn by far um when you kind of if you were to pit sega against like nintendo and playstation Sega Saturn was by far the more superior and better console at that point in time. Uh, I mean, just 100%. Like, everyone would agree with you, outside of, like, Nintendo 64 fans, most people would agree that Sega Saturn was a superior console, but it really didn't have the titles, and Sega just did a poor job, obviously, leading into from the Saturn to the Dreamcast. Um, but it ultimately was their demise. But, 
you know, I think if Sega would have continued on, it it probably would have been pretty solid. You know, they did. They made the Dreamcast. Uh, yeah, they did. I'm saying after that. It would have <laughs> after been that, solid, okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking Which, about after the Saturn. I actually so funny thing on that. I actually saw the other day that technically the Xbox is a spiritual successor to the Sega Dreamcast. Which, if you think about it, is true. Weren't they yeah. out at the same time? No. Dreamcast and Xbox? No, Dreamcast, I think, was already out by then. Okay. Yeah, it was gone. Or it was in its dying days. Uh, but like games like Panzer Dragoon and Crazy Taxi and all this other stuff were on the Xbox. And if yeah. you look at on the side of a Dreamcast, it actually was, I think, co-created with Microsoft. Or Microsoft had a big hand in its development. They've always had, Sega and Microsoft have always had a really good relationship, which is why whenever you see like Dreamcast 2 rumors and stuff, it's usually tied to Microsoft because mm-hmm. of that relationship. So, uh, all right. So I don't know what we're going to do next week for a game. That's usually our dilemma. We'll figure it out. Um, but I think next week we should probably start thinking about our games of the year. So the games that you and I have played this year that we felt are deserving of our own personal game of the year. It's always hard to go back. I'll have to go back and think. Like I feel like I didn't play that many, but then I always wind up having had play more than I thought. I already know what mine is. Like, and I've mentioned it. Like, if you listen to older podcast episodes, I've already called it out several times. I mean, is it Elden Ring? No, it is not actually. Damn. Yeah. So, spoiler alert: Elden Ring is not my. It's game Moss. It is Moss. No, just kidding. But we'll dive into that. Uh, but all of that being said, this has been episode 213 of the Game of Players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Bye.